Okay, how you doing, everybody? And welcome to the John Riley Project. And boy, I, I've been telling you all about this interview schedule I've got set up. We got a lot of candidates coming in to share their campaign details and tell us all about themselves. And our first guest is here today, and it's Hiram Soda. How you doing? Good. Am I the first one, really? You're, well, you're the first one this cycle. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So we've got some other candidates lined up next week and the week after that. But, you know, thanks for thanks for visiting. No, I greatly appreciate your show, what you do here, and how you um, interview people and, and the stories that come out of it. I've seen many um, interviews. I've actually, I think I've gotten to know people that I've never <laughs> met. Right. Just by, you know, listening to the, to, to, to the entire interview, some of them have been like two or three hours. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, like it was the 2018, John Carson and I went three and a half hours. Another episode, Chris Olps and I went like over three. So most of the time, it's like an hour, 15, hour 30 is how long we go. And, you know, just we'll hang out. Two guys like having a beer or a cup of coffee is kind of that vibe. Like it. Okay, so I um, just want to tell the audience if you're listening or wa- if you're watching the live stream, you can participate in this podcast. Um, we're, we're, we're live streaming on both YouTube and on Facebook. If you just look up John Riley Project, you can just type in the comments on Facebook or on YouTube, and they'll, they'll appear here on our screen in the chat, and, uh, and we'll read them on the air. And if you have a question for Hiram, it'll be a great way for you to get involved, a little Q&A. So just fill them up as we're going through. And uh, and we'll take the questions as they come. How's that? Sounds good. Okay, so so maybe we, let's start here. Let's let, let's start a little bit about with you know who are you and what's your background and tell us a little bit about you know your family and and growing up and what what, what you're all about. No, thank you for asking that. That's actually something uh, you know I've been doing a lot when whenever I'm at a meet and greet or whenever I'm speaking with someone, and, and, and I typically start by saying, you know, my name is Hiram Soto, and I'm running for Poway City Council, District One. And before I finish introducing myself, I I always want to honor my parents, and I say that I am the son of Jorge Soto. Hmm. Uh, he's from the state of Jalisco in Mexico, uh, where my uh, great uh, grandfather was a mayor. Uh, this town called Sayula. And, um, yeah, when we go back, we see, you know, the he was the town architect also. So we see the, the chapels and the churches that he built uh, when we go down and visit. And I'm also the, the son of Yoli Soto, uh, Yolanda Soto. She's from uh, from Ensenada, Baja California. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, have you ever had fish tacos? That's the best fish tacos are from Ensenada. I can <laughs> vouch for that. Okay. My, my mom was a, is a very stubborn woman. And growing up, I grew up with a, in a house of, uh, you know, I have four other siblings. Uh, she made us play music. My, my grandfather uh, loved opera. And, uh, you know, she told us, you're going to learn two instruments. Uh, the first one's going to be the piano. And the second one you're going to pick. Okay. So I ended up picking the cello. And it was thanks to my mom, actually, that, you know, I, I grew up playing cello and in Tijuana, uh, where, where I was born. Uh, my older brother and me, uh, we were part of the uh, string quartet that eventually became the Baja California Orchestra today. Mm. So we played a lot of music growing up in Tijuana. And, and, you know, it was because of the cello that I was able to get a music scholarship here in the United States. And I, I went to college on a music scholarship, playing cello for the University of Redlands. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow, played, that's cool. Played in the orchestra for four years. I, you know, I didn't become a musician. I didn't, I didn't want to follow that. My older brother, Jorge, did. He became a professional violinist. He actually played with the Poway Symphony sometimes. Um, but I played along, got my scholarship, 
checked the boxes, and mm-hmm. I studied economics. And you know, after that, I I went on to start my career as a as a journalist. Actually, one of my first job was at the San Diego Union Tribune, where I was a reporter. But I'll stop there to see if you have any questions about about that background. No, that's great. I mean, you know, it's all about family, right? You know, we all have our own family story, life story, and and it's great that you play music as a child. I mean. That's a great part of, uh, of growing up. You know, I try to encourage music in our household, too. So um, good for you. I like that. Um, so you talked a little bit about the UT. I mean, you were a reporter there. Yeah. And I, I know that's something that um, that you have talked about in your campaign, that being a UT reporter kind of gives you a unique perspective. Uh, maybe you can share a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, being a journalist has been one of the biggest honors of my life. It's like it's like somebody gives you the keys to the city and a badge that says press and go and get them, right? <laughs> you get, you know, I got I I got to cover the 03 and 07 wildfires. I was there with the with the firefighters, you know, I saw firsthand the sacrifices they make, uh the dangers that they put themselves in the threat that um, wildfires have in our communities. I mean, Poway lost, what, 150 structures in, uh, combined in mm-hmm. 03 and 07. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that that's that's where I really got to see the effects also of climate change in many ways. And we can talk about that more, but, you know, being a journalist, I, I started really as a news assistant at the UT. And what that means is that you do, back in the day, I was there from 2000 to 2010 or so. I... I I did photocopies for reporters and editors, right? Here, copy this, and I would run and, you know. I became the first uh, news assistant to become a reporter, to be promoted to a reporter in, in God knows how long at the UT. So I started, you know, doing stories in English and in Spanish. Um, and then on TV also, uh, the Union Tribune had a partnership with Univision. So I worked with television too. So I did a, you know, I did quite a, Quite a lot of stuff at the UT, including a lot of the video production. I was one of the first journalists who started really using video in the reporting. Mm-hmm. So a typical story would be like, here's your story in Spanish. Here's your story in English. And here's your video in English. And here's your video in Spanish. Right? Mm-hmm. And here's your live feed into the Univision newsroom right? for the 6 o'clock news. So I was, you know, it was so, so, so much fun. The oh, yeah. fun one of the funnest jobs I've ever had, for sure. Now, I remember the UT um, as, you know, the newspaper industry's evolved a lot, right? Yeah. And uh, I remember they had UT TV for a while. That's right, yeah. And I know they have like a digital agency that helps with digital advertising to supplement their print advertising. So that it's an interesting organization. The ownership has changed a few times. Yes. And, and so, um, so how long were you at the UT? Yeah, I was there 10 years from 2000 to 2010. And... It was such an amazing place because you really get to learn the values of journalism, mm-hmm. which is openness, transparency, um, seeking truth, integrity. I mean, I couldn't accept a lunch <laughs> when I was interviewing someone, right? Oh, yeah, you can't. No, you yeah. cannot, right? Mm-hmm. Reminds me a little bit about like public officials, right? You can't accept, you know, gifts and stuff and trips and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and and you really have to internalize those values, the value of, of, of listening to people from all backgrounds, not just from one group of people, from all backgrounds, which is 
you know, why it's so important that I spoke Spanish at the time, you know, I could speak with uh, uh, people who only spoke Spanish and I can communicate and, and there are a bunch of stories around that. But it's those values, I think, that I, st that, that I still carry with me mm -hmm. and, and that I live by. Um, not only because my parents taught me those values, but they were reinforced and kind of baked in my mind and baked in my soul on how one moves around the world, uh, seeking truth, being honest, being transparent. And then when you see things like, you know, government going astray, holding government accountable and mm -hmm. making sure that they are doing what they are supposed to do to the benefit of people. So, you know, when you talk about city council, I talk a lot about, you know, my, my years at the Union Tribune because I think they're really valuable skills for a public servant. Yeah, well, I think it makes a lot of sense because you're you're striving for honesty, for integrity. You need to do that in journalism, and you're right. You need to be above reproach in politics, ideally. You know, in the utopian world of politics, and we know that doesn't always happen. But maybe this might be a good segue. I mean, let tell tell me a little bit about why you're running. I mean, why now? Why you? Why are you running for Poway City Council? My thoughts around running started around 2017, I think it was, and it was uh, – I wasn't that really involved in politics here in Poway, just watching and reading and following. But then a city council seat opened up. Mm -hmm. Jane Cunningham retired, and there was an open seat. And – I didn't really follow it as much. I'm like, oh, well, they're, you know, they're probably going to elect, you know, appoint somebody from the committee. It was, by the way, it was six months before the election. Yeah, that was a weird. It was weird timing. It was, yeah, it was yeah. weird timing. But they they wanted to appoint someone. I said, oh, oh, okay, you know, I would wait, but okay. And there was all these people that raised their hand. I want to be, you know, they they actually opened up the process as they should, and they invited people to come and, you know, throw their hat in the ring, and people did. People with long histories of community involvement. Mm -hmm. Were you one of them? No, no, oh. I, I wasn't one. I know there was like ten or twelve people that yeah. that decided to go for that appointment. Yeah, um, no, I wasn't one of them. Okay, no. <laughs> I saw you laughing. Yeah, but anyways, um, so they go and appoint somebody who had just moved to Poway three months before, mm -hmm. and my jaw dropped, and I could not believe that they would do something like that, regardless of what you think about. Councilmember Frank, I have no issues with Councilmember Frank. I think she's done a pretty decent job. Um, but that fact of what they did, circumventing voters, getting ahead of the process, picking for the community, giving somebody who's not even from here, mm -hmm. the power of the incumbency, well, that reminded me of Mexico. <laughs> that reminded me of Mexico. Right? There's this thing called uh, El Dedazo. Which hap which is why we had the PRI for so many years, which is the president would point. It's that's what means point, like kind of pointing at someone. Mm -hmm. Would point to someone and be like, "You're my successor. You're mm -hmm. my successor, right?" And so, you know, I've seen what 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 it looks like when governments have a weak democratic process. I've seen government what it looks like to have a failed government, right? Where you have corruption. At, all, at different levels, I've, I've lived it. I've seen it. I know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And so when that happened, I asked myself, oh, my God, if they're doing this when everybody's watching, what are they doing when nobody's watching? 
And so I opened a beer. <laughs> and I thought about it. Who? Somebody needs to run. Somebody that I started looking at. The, somebody need, we need change in that city council. Mm-hmm. Who do I know? And I started. Th- I wouldn't even dare of like it being me. But you know, um, three beers beers in, I'm like, oh my god, I think it's gonna be me. I'll do it. I'll do it. And 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 I never let go of that idea because the more I learned about how Poway. Uh, was being managed in the politics of Poway, the stronger the resolve I had to do this. And it's a huge sacrifice, by the way. Mm-hmm. Huge sacrifice to run for office. Mm-hmm. I can tell you about that, but just going back to why I decided to run, you know, I, I, that was the catalyst for sure. And then I learned that Poway doesn't have a climate action plan because we don't need one. And then I start to see the excessive influence that developers have on the city council. And then I become a candidate, and then I see the ferociousness against someone like me. I mean, it's it's been quite the trip, mm-hmm. quite the trip to see, you know, Carl DeMaio come out and quote, you know, do these quotes against me about things that I've never talked about or... Ever, ever even mentioned I had to look up my own position after he came up with some of these stories I'm like what <laughs> what <laughs> but but I mean Poway is in bad need of change mm-hmm. and uh, proof of that is um, how 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 hard they have pushed back to someone like me running and it just you know it just makes me go forward even more mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, not just at, at the city council, though, because city council, is, it's not a destination. In fact, no elected position is a destination. None. Maybe president, I guess. Mm-hmm. They're just ways of doing things, of getting things done. If you want to bring transparency and accountability to a city council, you don't need to be a city council member. <laughs> you don't. Mm-hmm. If you want to bring change and push forward policies – Yes, you need people to vote for them, but it's not the only way. So for us, win or lose, win or lose, we are focused on bringing change to Poway and bringing positive change, uh, uh, the type of change the community wants to see. Let's talk about change for a minute. I mean, because there's a lot of things, you know, that that are hot topics. I mean, you know, the Poway Road development is obviously one of the biggest issues in this campaign. Um, and there are people that want change for a lot of different reasons, right? Right. And there's a lot of areas where people are dissatisfied with the status quo. Mm-hmm. So when you say Poway needs change, where would you start? I think at the city council, at the, at the elected positions, because we've seen a long track record of a lack of transparency, a lack of accountability. That has led to so many things, including, you know, the way the city responded to the to the water um, to the water fiasco, mm-hmm. the contaminated water fiasco, where you had the mayor drinking water and the state say, "No, you can't." Yes, I will, because <laughs> I'm a man. <laughs> and uh, you know, in Sacramento, you know, you don't tell me what you do, what to do, right? Like a teenager rebelling mm-hmm. against their, their their parents, I guess. Ridiculous. We don't need climate change because we like our trucks and trucks forever. 
hashtag and you know doesn't exist climate change doesn't exist and you know these types of things so the city council sets the strategic direction for the city mm -hmm. that's what it does and passes laws the strategic direction that this city council has pushed forward don't take my word for it go and talk to people and ask them what they think about what they've done to Poway and they will tell you get them all out that's what they say That's what they say. As soon as I speak with, get them all out. I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, take it easy. You know, right? Are you are you with the, are you with uh, the city council? Uh, no, and you know, there's a lot of dynamics in this race that has to do with the incumbents. But yeah, that's that's where I would start. Culture. Okay. Yeah. Well, we got, we had one question on the live stream. Yeah. So, and this is this is from Ed Franklin and uh, Ed Franklin. Ed Franklin. Hello, Ed Franklin. Yeah. Do you know him? No. You know, he's the former CEO of the. Uh, Uh, of the Poway Chamber of Commerce. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so um, he says, how long have you been in Poway? Oh, I've been in Poway seven years. And I fell in love with Poway because my mother-in-law, who's Brazilian, she used to make these awesome dinners on Friday nights. And uh, I would come back from work um, and we would always meet on my in-laws and she lived in Poway. And I would, you know, she, she would have this amazing Brazilian dinners And uh, we would have wine and we'd have beer. And I would come straight from work to my in-laws. But then I started taking the side roads. And I started kind of driving around Poway before getting to my, to my in-laws. And I, w I just fell in love with the city. And I remember telling my wife, Paula, we got to live in Poway. I, this is absolutely beautiful. We lived in Carmel Valley at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first opportunity we had, we sold our house in Carmel Valley. We were waiting for a good opportunity in Poway. And yeah. we bought in Poway and we haven't looked back. Good for you. Yeah, okay. that's thanks to my mother-in-law. <laughs> so 2015. 2015. Yeah, yeah. so, and, and I know you, you got a family, and you're yeah. raising a family here in town. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, my kids go to the Power Unified School Districts, um, school district. I have three daughters. Mm -hmm. um, we have a, a very cool dynamic at home. Um, you know, I only speak Spanish to them, and my wife only speaks Portuguese to them. And we've raised them trilingual, so they speak Portuguese, English, and Spanish. And um, very proud of that, actually. It, that sounds easy. It's not. It's very hard, you know, because one, uh, our first thing to, instinct is to speak English, right? And, and sometimes we're teaching them the languages so that they can communicate with their grandparents in their native tongues, right? So my, my kids can talk to my dad in Spanish, and they can talk to my, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, you know, in Portuguese. And so mm -hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Being, you know, multilingual is a great skill. Yeah. Um, and, you know, since we're, you know, not too far from the border, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I'm not sure what your children are going to do in their business life. But right. that, that's a huge advantage of, of being able to speak multiple languages. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's culture, too. Right. I mean, if you're an elected official... Wouldn't you like your elected official to be able to communicate with more than one group of people in different languages? I mean, w what a great asset for a city to have someone who is bilingual or trilingual, right, could communicate and listen in more than one language. Right. So that, I really appreciate that, and, and I, I'm proud of that. And when I, when I talk to people about, you know, oh, well, what qualifies you? That's one of the things I mentioned. Well, I, I speak more than one language. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about, like you said, you were talking to some of the folks in town yeah. and they were sharing their opinions. What's the pulse on the street? What are the things that people are concerned about? What are they telling you? Yeah, so I think 
one issue that goes across ideological lines is the development, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think people saw what happened with, uh, on, on Poway Road, and they, they felt excluded, dismissed, not listened to, whether they're right or wrong, right? Because I'm sure there were opportunities for people to plug in and, you know, have a say on, on, the, on, on you know, on different projects coming up. But that didn't happen somehow. Either, you know, we didn't reach out to them, they didn't engage, or what, or what have you. And so people feel burned. And, and that has caused a, 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 lack, a lack of trust in the elected officials. Mm-hmm. Not just a lack of trust, but somewhat of a, 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 some antagonism towards them. Mm-hmm. Because what are you doing with our Poway? What are you doing with the city and the country? Right? And so it's a really interesting dynamic that, that we have because, you know, my opponent, Brian Pepin, I know he's listening and taking notes for the, for the next attack. <laughs> um, uh, go at it, buddy. Um, you know, he, he, he worked for developers. Mm-hmm. He tried to build out Metate Lane. Mm-hmm. You know, there's footage of him on NBC talking about it. Um, and so, you know, he's endorsed by all the, the city council members and the mayor. And, and if, you know, as you see the progression of his mailers, you know, he, his first mailer is like has Voss in front of it. Very proudly, mm-hmm. the second one doesn't. And I have him here. We want to see him. And then, uh, and then the second one has uh, Grosh, Dave Grosh, mm-hmm. you know. And and then the third one, nobody's there. And then on the website, he wiped clean all mentions of uh, his endorsements from the city council. And I'm mentioning this because he's talking to people too, mm-hmm. and he's seeing where the wind blows. Right? It just happens that. I'm not going where the wind blows. I'm, I, I've always had my starting position where it's at now, and it's always been. Um, and, um, you know, so that's the sentiment. People are, are, really, are really not happy with that. There's a lack of trust in government. I think as this campaign has progressed, that theme keeps coming up. I don't trust them. Mm-hmm. I don't believe them, right? Um, there's a sense of even, even of betrayal, uh, for well, many, on, the, on the part of many people. And I get that. I mean, what's interesting is that when when the construction started, right, and suddenly the 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 the, um, the two by four started going vertical, right, people started to really freak out because yeah. a lot of people are busy with their careers, they're busy with their family, and they don't necessarily pay attention to all the detail right. that goes on in City <laughs> Hall. But I'll tell you this, as I moved here in 96, mm-hmm. and Right from the start, I was hearing talk about this transformation of Poway Road. And I remember back then, they, they, they kind of established, they said, okay, like automotive is going to be east of community, yeah. right? And they kind of had these four zones. Of course, they made an exception for Perry Ford, uh, which is, was in one of the other zones. Mm-hmm. But they kind of had sort of a rough game plan. But it, was, it seemed like they were just starting to get organized around it. You know, at first it was like a pipe dream. Then they got organized around it, and then suddenly the Great Recession hit. And then there was no money, and there was chaos and all throughout the economy. Um, then it seemed like we came out of the Great Recession, and they started to really pursue the plan. And they put together this committee, and I think there's a lot of questions about who was on the committee, how much public input was in the committee. Um, but all the while, I think people were busy taking care of their family, yep. going to work. Yep. And so yep. uh, it's a tricky thing because on one level, people want to be heard, 
But on another level, sometimes people aren't paying attention. Right. You know, so. Uh, now they are. Well, now they are for sure. Now they are. Yeah. So what do we do? They're paying attention. Mm-hmm. They want to be involved now. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, my bad. I should have been paying attention. I, I was raising my kids. I had my job. Now I want to get involved. What are we going to do? So, you know, the city has a lot of tools at its disposal uh, to communicate with people, uh, to communicate these, type, these types of changes that are coming. Um, in, people feel intimidated going to city council. Even though folks, you know, our elected officials are like, well, come to our meetings. In right. fact, there's one right now going on right now. Mm-hmm. Come to our meeting and speak. Really? I mean, you come in, you got like, you know, the chairs are like higher up. Yeah. You know, they're, you're not at the same level. Let me put it that way. You're, they're higher up. You're not. You're and in the middle. <laughs> and the minute you start talking, the timer is clicking down. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's an intimidating experience for a mm-hmm. lot of people. And I've heard this, you know, um, from several folks that, you know, oh, I'm typically very good at speaking. But when I go, you know, I, I went once and I'm not going again. And then I, I didn't feel that they they followed up with me and they didn't take any notes and they didn't ask me any follow up questions. And my comments fell on deaf ears. And then I never went back. Right. And so um, how do you deal with that? How do you have more community forums or community town halls? I think it, the city is due to make a, a genuine effort to try to engage people and meet people where they're at. Meet people where they're at. Yes, the city council every other two, every, twice every month on Tuesdays. But I think there should be more to engage the community, especially after everything that's happened and everything that's about to happen. Because we're just about to start seeing the, the effects, you know, in the coming years of the traffic, of the water, mm-hmm. of the high density uh, housing that's taking place along Poway Road. We haven't seen the effects yet. We've only seen the construction and and kind of what's coming and, uh, you know, on the websites of, the, of these places, <laughs> you know, that a lot of people can't afford. Firefighters can't afford, you know, to live in Poway because, you know, the new the new places are, what, $800,000? You, mm-hmm. you need to make more than 200000 to even live here, right? So, I mean, yeah. Well— I mean, I just want to tell you, I want to talk to the audience here for a minute. The the live chat is just blowing up. Are you seeing all these questions right here coming up? Yeah, I don't know so, if I want to see them. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to try to get to all of these. And, you know, it's kind of a balance. I want to make this like a comfortable conversation. Sure. But at the same time, this is a chance for the community to get involved. And, you know, we were just talking about housing. Yeah. Um, so here, here's a question yeah. that came up on housing. And let's uh, go back here. And it's from... Maria Hernandez, and she says, are you going to bring more affordable housing to Poway? Yeah, the city of the city of Poway has a quota to meet in terms of affordable housing that's dictated by the state. And there's all kinds of ranges for uh, affordable housing. There's very low, somewhat low, medium, et cetera, right? And um, I think the city of Poway should do its part as it's mandated to build this affordable housing so that folks can, you know, have an opportunity to live in a place like Poway. Um, but it's not just about affordability at, at the very low level. There's different levels. We want our firefighters to also be able to live in Poway. So it's it's a balancing act. It's not one thing or the other, and it's not one over the other. They're, they shouldn't be competing. There's a certain number of... Uh, affordable housing units that we are mandated to do. And so where are we going to build them? When are we going to build them? When are we going to check that box? 
when? The sooner the better. I think at the very low spectrum of it, we're kind of close, if I'm, if I'm correct, with the larger numbers. I think the problem is more kind of in the middle uh, of the affordability scale. Again, talking about like having our first responders being able to afford living in Poway. So what is what does that mean, affordable housing? I mean, we could talk about what is affordable housing, like how, what is the cost, but how do you make it happen? Is this something that you negotiate with a developer or is this something that the city will subsidize? I mean, how do you see that working? Yeah, I see when developers come to town and, they, um, and they're going to put some up. It's been approved. They're going to do it. And then they have the opportunity to do an affordable housing component. But they're like, eh, nah, that's not going to make me money. Mm-hmm. So I'll just pay the $500 in lieu uh, fee waiver thing, mm-hmm. and I won't build it. And now I can build a house that I can sell or a unit, that, a house or a unit that I can sell and uh, to my benefit. And so that's what I mean when I talk about, like, the influence that developers have in how they push their plans here in Poway. They get to choose. It's one of the lowest in lieu fees in, in, in uh, I don't know if I can compare. It's it's a very low fee. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that prevents us from meeting our, 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 our mandates and our responsibilities around that. So there are mandates that come down from the state right. that dictate you have to have so much af- affordable housing? Right, right. And the, the county, too, I believe, Sandag um, uh, has a role to play here, too. But yes. Hmm. Interesting. So, you know, the in Luffy is something that I hear come, bring up a lot, you know, sure. where what should it be? Because it's a kind of a deal where, yeah, you say like a, a developer could buy out, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, buy out essentially the affordable housing units for a <laughs> modest amount. And usually the response is, well, the developer gets what they want. You just said, it, you know, but but at the same time, though, the, there are people that are moving into those homes. Now, maybe they might right. not be a lower income demographic, but there are still people that are benefiting, even if there is no low uh, affordable housing or so-called sure. low income housing. That's true. So it's it's an interesting thing, like you say, to balance a balance. A- and how is it best done? You know, and. There are a lot of different approaches to it. And, you know, Poway can control Poway. But right. this is a, a, a situation that's much bigger. Absolutely. It's not just San Diego. It's the whole state. And I think you bring a good point about balance. And, and that's what I want to bring. Not so much where the pendulum goes completely into one side or completely on the other side. I mean, there is an issue of infrastructure in Poway. The infrastructure was, was built to house, you know, a certain amount of people, too. And we can't exceed that. In fact, a former civil engineer that worked for the city of Poway, uh, Jonathan Smith, actually, he was telling me, well, the problem is poop. <laughs> you have this, you know, these, <laughs> the, the, the sewage, you know, it's meant to carry so much <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and water and so forth. And so, you know, you, you have a situation where you, you, and then you have the roads. You can't exceed, you can't exceed, you know, uh, what the city was built for. So you have to have that balance, too. Um, I think I go back to the issue of trust and the type of people that we want on the city council and whether you can trust them to bring that balance or whether you or whether they will do what the developers will ask them to do or or someone's political priorities dictated by someone's po- political priorities because they have 
uh, I don't know, uh, they, they, uh, they like to play the politics game. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned to you uh, earlier that I freaking hate politics. I don't like politics. <laughs> right. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I, I, I don't like it. I don't watch like, you know, Fox News or CNN or MSNBC. I, I don't. I don't watch that stuff. I like the art of the possible of politics, of finding the best ideas out there to push forward policies that benefit the most amount of people in a balanced way where it's not just benefiting a few. Inclusive policies. I think most people would agree that that's a sensitive thing to fight for. Mm-hmm. And, that's why I'm, and that's why I'm running for office in large part um, because I think great, we can do great things with Poway in terms of like climate. It, I mean, another ridiculous thing. We don't have a climate action plan. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Just be, it, and it's because of silly politics. Well, when you scratch under the surface, when you have a climate action plan, you have access now to all these grants and all these things where you can do uh, larger projects. So they don't want to probably, uh, uh, you know, a climate action plan because they don't even want to have access to that. Because if you have access to that, then you have to have these conversations and they don't even want to have these conversations. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if it's climate climate deniers or they still don't believe in it or if it's just like ideological because I'm, a, you know, I'm from this Political ideology, we, we don't do that. Oh, that's something for the other team or, or something along those lines. I, I don't view the world that, like that. You know, when I'm knocking on doors, I, I, I talk to people that have, you know, Trump flags and, and you know, uh, go Brandon signed of flags or whatever and, and you know, and, and Biden stuff. And I, I really – I don't judge people by that. I, I, I don't. Um, there was a time when I did. When you don't know much about politics and you just fall into this tribalism mm-hmm. and it's my team against your team and, you know, the only way we can move forward is if I beat you, there's that. But I think I'm, I've grown a little older and wiser, I guess. And uh, or dumber, maybe. <laughs> well, tell me, let's go look yeah. down the, the rabbit hole, of the climate change plan, because sure. I'm hearing other candidates talk about it. Mm-hmm. There are some people in town that are upset that the city council doesn't have a climate action right. plan. Well, what, in your opinion, what should the city do on this particular topic? If you were, if you could wave a magic wand, what would it be? Optimize for the benefit of the budget, for the benefit of families, for the benefit of businesses, and for the benefit of our environment, including the air that we breathe and the water that we drink. Optimize. What does that mean? It means switching away from dirty and expensive fossil fuels and moving to cleaner and cheaper sustainable energy. That's a no-brainer. It should be a no-brainer. And you can do that um, uh, with a climate action plan. The climate action plan, you know, it needs to have teeth. Otherwise, you know, it's not as impactful. But um, one way I've been framing it to people and explaining it to people is like, look at at this as like an energy savings plan. Imagine if the city with 120 cars that it owns and operates, if some of those, I don't know how many, most of them maybe, you switch them away from expensive gas that's polluting the air and you switch them to electric and they're driving around town not polluting and saving the city money. There's investments to be made for sure, 
but there's ways to pay for those investments. There's grants. There's other support from the federal and the state government, mm-hmm. probably local too. You know, that's one example. Why doesn't City Hall have, you know, uh, solar panels? Why can't we have solar panels, have, en- you know, have either energy storage or some way that the city can be more self-reliant when it comes to energy, more independent when it comes to energy? Why can't we have that? When you look at, at let's just take, you know, the affordable housing units that, already, that are already here in Poway. There's 12 of them or so. That's it? For the whole city? Yeah, there's 12 okay. that I can count. Okay. Might be wrong, but there's, there's 12. Mm-hmm. Um, only one of them, the Solara apartments that are off community, they were built with solar power, with solar power uh, already as part of the design. That was the first one in California in 2007, I believe. Yeah. Or nine? I don't remember. One of those years. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. Because it was, it was a big deal when they built that. Isn't it ironic? Like, we were the, it was the first apartment complex in the state of California that was built with solar panels integrated, and the, the city where it's located doesn't have a climate action plan. <laughs> it's a laughable thing. But in any case, and you go ask, and you, you ask people, hey, so how much do you pay in electricity? And they'll say, zero. Because they don't consume enough. Because the solar power, power covers it. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for that family? That means that they can use that money and invest it in other things, like right. education, food, rent, what have you, to get ahead in life. We want them to be successful, right? It's a no-brainer. That's one. What about the other ones? I believe that the city has a strong role to play in helping or supporting the other complexes from having, for having solar power. How does that work? So they're owned by, you know, they have their property owners, so there's organizations that, that manage them, but they're owned by someone. The state of California has a program that will cover up to 80% of the cost of solar panels on those buildings. 80%. About 80%, yes. Mm-hmm. And so the city can, be, can play a role by saying, hey, property owner, come here. Look at this program for the state of California. If you sign up, we will prioritize your permitting. We will speed it up. You know, if you're saving money, just as an example, if you're saving money on electric cars over here, right, and solar, whatever, you can take that money, put it as an incentive, you know, uh, chip in. And now you've got 12 apartment complexes or, yeah, affordable housing complexes with solar panels helping the most vulnerable people. Senior citizens, people with special needs. Well, you know, this is an interesting topic because I'm I'm in agreement with you that the city can do a lot of things to make city operations more efficient, you know, more environmentally friendly. Sure. um, And, you know, from doing LED lighting on the streetlights to solar for City Hall, et cetera. Sure. But then it gets trickier, though, when you Mm -hmm. start talking about, well, what should the homeowners or the renters do in town? Um, Sure. And so there's one level, like what you said, is to expedite permits, maybe lower costs on permits to make it easier for it to be built. Um, There's another level of subsidizing it or mandating it. Would you go that far to have city funds subsidize people's solar? 
No, I mean, or mandate it? No, no, no. Even on new construction, mandate it? Well, I mean, there's there's codes by the state of California that are con- that are that are um, that that are starting to mandate those types of things if they're not in the books already. What I'm saying is, the city has a strong role to play in what we have now, like these apartment complexes. It could play a role. It's not playing a role. It can play a role, and it's the same for small businesses. There are there are programs out there that can help small businesses um, upgrade their infrastructure. Well, what does that mean? I'll give you an example of a supermarket, a small supermarket. Let's say a liquor store. Well, maybe not a liquor store. <laughs> a small supermarket. Let's go to that. Um, they have refrigerators. Some of them are old. They consume too much energy, right? Um, there are programs that can help finance the business owners so they can upgrade and save money on electricity. But those are state programs, right? They're not, or maybe county, but not city, right? No, no, no. They're not city. They're, right. Yeah, these are these are state programs. And so, you know, what we're talking about is um, making sure that we're doing what we can to, to make the transition. I mean, a place like Poway, where we had the first apartment complex built with solar integrated, a place like Poway, with its vast open spaces, a place like Poway, with its amazing trails and culture of like city in the country and, and rural and all that. I mean, we could be, we should be shaping our own future, like embracing sustainable energy. And that's what I'm interested. That's one of the, it's one of the key things for me personally. I know a lot of people, maybe it's not that important, but for me, it's really important because it's, it's like bringing efficiency op- optimization to the benefit of everyone and the environment. So like a win, 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 win. Yeah, well, I I agree on that level. I mean, I, I let me tell you my story on this because sure. I talk about this frequently on my podcast. We have two electric vehicles and we have solar on our house. What we do is I kind of we kind of play the game, if, as I like to call it. We charge our cars between midnight and six a.m. when SDG&E rates are dirt cheap. Yeah, and you can sign up for an EV plan that's even lower. That, um, that you can essentially have like a collection of plans to choose sure. from. Then what we do is during the day, the solar panels are, you know, sucking in all the photons. Yep. And, and there's very little energy being consumed in the home. You know, maybe some computers or things sure. during the day because I work from my home office. In, in non-summer months when we don't run our air conditioning, frequently our electricity bill is zero. Right. Zero. Um, and it's so cool that I can make this work this way. Now, we can debate the the policies themselves, right, and whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. And we, we might have some agreement and some disagreement. But when it comes down to an individual homeowner or an individual renter, if those incentives exist, people should take advantage of them, you know, because you can reduce your energy bill to zero, um, and or that's negative. P- they can actually owe you money. They like, do. They, like in, in, uh, in my, with my family, they owe us money. <laughs> well, we, we had that similar thing is when we signed up, I think was it when we got our EVs or when we got our solar, we got like a $2,000 credit with SDG&E. Right. And, right. Then, and then we had solar and we were only in the summer months were we using it. That credit lasted us like three or four years. Right. Yeah, it was incredible. So um, imagine if the city did that. Right. You know, in the city, I know the budget is tricky, right? Because expenses are going up at a faster rate than revenue is. And so the city's going to have to make some challenging decisions on how they're going to balance their budget 
And that's a potential cost-saving move for them. It is, and, and I think there, it's it's a responsibility of elected officials to think also long-term, not just for the next election cycle. You have to be looking to the future, you know, whether that's, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years or more or beyond. You have to be thinking about these things, not like, you know— no, climate change is bad because that's for the other team. You know, that's not my tribe. Like, that's just silly, and it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Well, can, can I just say one more thing about SDG&E? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Really quickly. Yeah, sure. SDG&E, a couple of weeks ago, um, said that we're ex- they're expecting San Diego to have its first hurricane in the next 10 years. Really? Yeah. And these are the folks. We, we just missed one not too long ago, right? Yeah, yeah, by a little. Yeah, and um, that's where this is headed. We're gonna probably have hurricanes. I mean, the scientists have been telling us about climate change. Some believe, some didn't. Now we're here. And now they're telling. And now the people who who uh, profit out of this, um, you know, of providing energy. People who would suffer huge losses are telling us, oh, my God, there's going to be a—we expect a hurricane here in the next 10 years. The world is changing. The city is changing. Our climate is changing. What are we doing? We don't want a climate action plan because we're (laughs) men. It it makes no sense. Well, I mean, there is an argument to be made that little old Poway isn't going to solve climate change by itself. Oh, yeah, no. But there are things we can do. And and I think from a a city council perspective— I mean, you could just look at it purely as a cost savings plan. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then the environmental benefits are sort of like bonus. That's right. That's right. You know? That's right. So I, I want to talk yeah. to the audience real quick sure. here because, I mean, we've got a ton of comments. I'm trying to have a friendly conversation with Hiram, and yeah. I'm trying to manage the screen and the overlays, and I want to bring up a few more questions. Sure. Okay? So let me see if I can find some here that were related to housing um, or are related to uh uh, to climate change. And okay. Franklin chiming in on a lot of things. He, here's another oh, yeah. one from Ed. He says, electric would cost three times. Who's paying? Well, I think we've, if it's powered by solar, yeah. you know, it's a lot less than that. Um, Maria Hernandez says, yeah, it was 2007 and we were the first in the world. In I think, the she, world. I think wow. she's referring to Solara. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see here. Okay. This, this is actually a good question here. From Paul Trevino. Will you propose a law to eliminate the practice of appointing replacement council members regardless of how soon to the next election? Is a law eliminate the practice of appointing replacement? We talked a little bit about that already. Um, I think it's not that black and white. Um, there might be a, moments of emergency, perhaps, but um, I think the voters should decide. The voters should be decide, and we know that there's a power of the incumbency and what that brings. And, you know, in Poway, we've seen how this the leadership has behaved and how they violated the trust of people by appointing someone who was not from here. So I can totally see the argument of eliminating that and taking that, taking that little candy away from them because they'll do it again. Um, I'm surprised, you know, um, they well, – I was going to say, you know, I'm, I'm thankful actually – for, to Dave Grosh for um, staying in his position. Um, I know he, we all know he wanted to retire. We all know he wanted to move to Oregon. Um, and he sticked around and there's some issues there with whether he lives here or not. And that's, <laughs> that's another thing. But, you know, he, he could have, he could have uh, 
he could have retired before and opened up the 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 possibility of you know these folks appointing Brian Pepin because that's that's their guy. They've been grooming him. They for years. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, I'm glad that, you know, in this election, voters will have a very clear choice between uh, Brian Pepin and myself, and they can look at our backgrounds and, and choose, and hopefully they can see truth, because there's a, a, lot, of, uh, a, a lot of misinformation that my opponent uh, and his supporters or his supporters are pushing um, and, you know, trying to confuse people. Well, let, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Because there's been some accusations. <laughs> Nona's coming in to visit. Aww. So uh, Nona's our dog, our 14 year old lab. Uh, there's been some accusations made. Um, I saw some of it on the website San Diego News Desk, which is like put on by the Republican Party here in, in the county. Um, that have there were attack pieces on you. Um, yeah, and so. I, you know, I'm not going to go down the list of all of them, but I want to just give you an opportunity to address it. It's uh, I knew that going into politics and my, my girls actually warned me, isn't politics really nasty? I said, yes, Mikha, it is. Uh, I didn't I didn't expect the ferociousness of the misinformation and the outlandish lies that 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 Brian Pepin is pushing against me and or his supporters. I have to say that just to <laughs> clarify well, this. But can, uh, can you give us an example sure. of some of them? One of them is that's like OMG was that uh, they created this fake profile of me online where they put a picture of a luchador with a mask and then they added a hashtag that I was with the uh, Zapatista rebels. In Mexico, that I was supporting them uh, to make it seem that I, I, I don't I, I don't I don't really get it. I think it's because I'm Mexican American that the association is trying, or maybe it's the Marxism thing. I I, I I don't know. It was comical, but not right because that frame, that that accusation, if you will, uh, has been echoed again and again in the stories that uh, Brian Pepin. And, and or his friends are pushing forward via the county Democ- uh, count, uh, the Republican Democratic Party or with Carl DeMaio. I mean, Carl DeMaio has talked about me about three times that I can tell. Um, Carl DeMaio. So he's, he's, he's got the Poway. So he's, well, he's the talk show guy on yeah. Kogo. Mm-hmm. He was on city council for San Diego. Right. Ran for mayor, ran for Congress right. against... Uh, Peters, Scott Peters, right, 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 ran for you know for the East County job, yeah. and got defeated by ISA, and I yeah. think he lives in RB, yeah. Um, but so he's talking about you yeah. on his San Diego talk show on yeah. Togo Six Hundred, yeah. Incredible, you know. It's funny because local elections, you assume, oh, it's just local election. It's not going to be political. You know, the Republican and Democratic parties aren't going to be in there swinging, throwing punches, but they do. I mean, when I ran in 2014 for school board, it was a thing. I mean, and it's worse now where the politicization of local politics is a real thing. And when they make like it's one thing, I think also political candidates, but especially incumbent politicians, there is always going to be parody. There's always going to be satire. But when it's done by a political organization to create misinformation, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty 
it's pretty hurtful, you know. Um, you have to have a thick skin to be to even be in this game. Thankfully, I, I have a very thick skin. I, I, wor- I worked at the interview newsroom, so I have a thick skin. Um, I used to get called worse things, but um, from from some people that would email me or call me when I did a story about something. But you know, this type of trying to destroy someone to get elected, it's because. It's the only thing they have. They, they they only know how to destroy. Like Brian Pepin runs campaigns for a living. That's what he does. He runs campaigns for a living. So, of course, you know, thousands of people in Poway last – was it last weekend? I think it was last weekend. Got got a text saying, oh, participate in this, politi- in this political poll. And people, you know, want to be part of the solution. They want to be part of the process. Mm-hmm. They, they engage in it, and it wasn't a poll. It yeah. started like a poll. Like – you know, oh, you know, uh, what what political party do you r- relate to? And did you vote in the last election? And did you vote for so-and-so and so-and-so? And then, oh, and, and have you heard of Hiram Soto? Uh, oh, if you have, if you have, then have, did you know that, he's, that, that in June he supported Zapatistas from Mexico? Did you know that he was under investigation for blah, 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 blah? Did you know that this and this, all freaking lies. And it was just like so brazen. That the only, I mean, that was a text. The next day I was walking the neighborhood, and uh, and I get a call. And it's an operator. And the operator's like, I'm calling to do a poll, blah, blah, blah. So it wasn't just text. It was like, be, this guy had operators on on this, right? And I told the operator uh, very respectfully, hey, I'm actually Hiram Soto. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy. I'm the guy, t- man. <laughs> um, and she's like, oh, my God. And we we talked a little bit about it. And she's like, oh, I, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, I, I treated her with, with the utmost respect. She's doing her job, but she was doing her job, you know, doing her thing. But one of the things that came out of that was I knocked on the door the other day. And this lady goes, oh, you're Hiram. And I'm like, oh, my God. Here it comes. They're going to be like, you know, go back to Mexico or like. Where's your weapon with the Zapatistas or something? I don't know. And she goes, I got that pull. I got that pull. It was so outlandish, I fell for it. And and after I started feeling, I, I'm like, no way am I going to vote for this person. I'm not talking about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, now, just because of this, I'm going to vote for, for Hiram. And she told me this. And she said, bring me a sign. And hmm. I got, I think, Seven signs out of that. Just not just talking to people and people who got it, like they thought it was so wrong to do to fool people like that. And it brings me back to the issue of trust. Do we really want somebody like Brian Pepin who runs campaigns for a living representing people in Poway? Is that who we want us to? In fact, I asked David Grosh this. I asked David Grosh, David, Dave, you're an honorable person. You've endorsed this guy. Why do you think that somebody who runs campaigns for a living, whose clients are developers, who runs misinformation campaigns with the Lincoln Club, why do you think that that's the best person to replace you? They said, oh, lies. They both go both ways. I said, no, they don't go both ways. I haven't told a single lie in this campaign. My daughter told, asked me if I was going to lie. And I said, no, Mika, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie in this campaign. And I haven't. And you know, I see Brian Pepin, Poway Dad, talking about 
uh, him being a dad. And I wonder, like, what kind of example is he giving his kids? Is this the type of world he wants to build for his children, for our children? Is this the type of stuff? If he's doing this to me, he's going to do that to you, to you, to you, and to you. When you disagree with him, when he, if he makes it to the city council, that's what you can, this is what you can expect. This is what you can expect. It was so sad. I saw this comment on Nextdoor today because the, there was another smear piece today uh, <laughs> with, with Carl DeMaio being quoted and everything. And this gentleman goes, well, he, you know, they're all talking about how, I wa how I'm now suddenly I'm pro developer now. And Brian Pepin-Santai developer. Really? Really. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> Brian Pepin is now anti-development. 100%. You can look at his candidate statement. People, when I knock, I know they, they... But he said he's anti-development. Absolutely 100%. And one of the guys goes... Uh, uh, next door goes, I don't know who to trust. Right? Mm. Even after I posted a video of Pepin talking to, you know, uh, NBC News, talking about, you know, uh, how he wants to bring development to the Metate Meadows over there. I don't know who to trust. Bingo. That's, that's, what, that's what these people are looking for. Confuse. Confuse people. They don't know what's true. They don't know what's not true. That's the only way that they think they can win. By confusing, misinforming, deceiving, destroying people. That's how they think they can win. Those people should be nowhere near public office. Nowhere near public office. Absolutely not. If you don't like me, fine, don't vote for me. That's cool. No worries. Please, don't get this guy in the city council. Don't get this guy in the city council. He's bad for Poway. It's not the type of values that we want in a town like that. In any town, period. We want people who are there to represent people, not to represent themselves and their clients. I hope I'm not coming off too harsh. <laughs> Maybe I am. Tell me what you really think. <laughs> no, but I, I, I do mean this because, because, you know, the nastiness that people like him bring to the process keeps good people away from running. Hmm. You know, it does. It keeps good people from running. But if good people don't run, then you leave the field open for people like him. Wide open. So I'm the one standing right now between having somebody like him on the city council or not. People have a clear choice to make. I do pledge. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to misinform. I'm always going to be honest and transparent. I'm not a politician. I don't aspire to beyond Poway, anything beyond Poway. I'm 47 years old. I'm good. I have a good life. I just want to represent my community. I care deeply about it. Mm -hmm. Good for you. Thank you. You know, I, I, I'm, you know I, I'm the same as you, man. I love this city, right? I've lived here since 96. Um, anyways, I, I want to get back to these, these live stream comments and questions. Sure. I'm like balancing between two different things at the same time. Sorry. So, no, no, it's not you. No, it's all good. You know, what you're doing, you're, you're sharing. And that's the beautiful thing about this conversation is that, you know, we got a live stream audience here right now. And, and uh, by the way, if you like what you're watching, you know, click the like button or, you know, that's always a good thing to do. But, uh, you know, people are interested in what you have to say. I mean, I tell you, live chat here is like lighting up. So, um, Let's see. Uh, 
Well, this this is this is one from Mariana Benedict Basilla, and she said, "We've been through this before with Pepin when he was the developer's political consultant for the Matadi Lane project. How can we move beyond this dishonest campaign?" I think we've already covered that. Um, let, let's switch gears for a minute, sure. and I want to talk about this idea. <clears throat> um, and I, I ran for school board in 2014, and I was introduced to this concept called the, the Old Poway Guard. And the way it was described to me was is that this was sort of the – I don't know how you would say it, but it's, it's kind of like the institutional support mm-hmm. of the traditions of what's been happening in Poway for a very long time. Sure. And so generally speaking, um, there's been a lot of support – um, of certain candidates for school board or city council. It's been going on for years. And at the same time, there's a group here in Poway that I like to personally like to call the loyal opposition that kind of fights against the old guard. Um, and this loyal opposition has run candidates many times in these races and has always come up short. Um, so what's different this time? Why are you going to win this time? <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to win. Um, my definition of, of success, I get to define. Uh, as I said earlier, being on the city council, it's not a destination. It's a way to do things. And so I plan to stay engaged, number one. Number two, um, I think you know, our strategy has been very open and based on engagement and talking to people. And uh, making sure that they feel that they we are somebody that they can trust, that we are somebody that they feel comfortable, that we can listen to them and act on their behalf, and sticking to the truth of the matter. I've knocked on more than 2,200 homes so far. Really? Yeah. How many homes are in the district? I think it's thirty, uh, more than three thousand. Okay, so I, still have, I still have a few, a few left. I don't know if I'm <laughs> that's home. a lot. <laughs> but but you know, I, I I've I've talked to people. I've introduced myself. People are freaking wonderful here in Poway. Absolutely wonderful, and um, people have a clear choice. And that's I think the challenge for us is making sure people understand the choice they have before them. And I think that's what Pepin sees too. There's a clear choice and that's, that's the problem for him. That's why he wants to, you know, throw these smoke screens and confuse people what's true and what's not and who's with who and who's with not. And whether this guy's going to bring the, uh, you know, uh, a Mexican rebel group uh, to do an <laughs> uprising in Poway uh, or something, um, you know? Um, so I think what's different is that people have have woken up here in Poway. They they have realized that their lack of engagement has cost them dearly in terms of the development because that's the number one issue in Poway. It has cost them. They 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 now want to get involved. And so when I knock on their door and they see what we have to offer, you know, they have a choice. Mm-hmm. And and talking to people and community people, that's that's the way we that's the way we we do this. Not lying to people and trying to hide who our endorsements are and trying to destroy someone. That's, that, that's, that's not our strategy. Our strategy is, is looking forward, uh, focusing on the things that will move this community forward. You know, it's another interesting thing about your race is that there's only two people in it, you yep. know, and it, it always now grant, and there's no incumbent, which is yeah. also interesting. Um, it, it's a used to always historically be one incumbent and then 
many challengers that would tend to fragment and diffuse the anti-incumbent vote. Sure. But this is what's fascinating about your race, I think, is in many ways it's sort of like a, a litmus test for Poway. Sure. Um, or is that the right analogy? I'm not sure. But but the two of you are, are different. Um, and uh, um, it'll be – I'm intrigued to see what, what voters decide. Like as I said, like this loyal opposition has always had challenges winning. Uh, maybe this time it's different. I think with the Poway Road development going on, there's a lot of people that are that are angry. Yeah, what's different? I mean, it's it's a good question. I I, I tip my hat to those folks who have been the, um, um, the loyal opposition and have done you know what they've done to bring us where we are today and raising awareness about the city council and the things that have, they have done, including that appointment of somebody who was not from here. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that the the conditions are super ripe for somebody different to be part of the city council to bring that different perspective, that independent voice, because this city council typically votes unanimously on many things. Mm-hmm. That's true. And so there's, but more than that, there's no debate really about any new ideas. If I'm elected, um, yeah, it's one against. You know, the rest, I guess you can see it that way. I don't see it that so much that way. I see it more like let's, let's change conversations. Let's reframe conversations. Let's create community power. And there's many ways to get things done that, yes, they require votes. Um, but the only way you fight power is with power, and that's community power. And my, my idea is to help try to help organize – excuse me, organize – Communities empowered, so they become more engaged because that's how you move things at the end of the day. Let's. I mean, I appreciate everything you said. Sure, uh, but I, I got more stuff I want to cover. Are you good on time? Are you doing all right? Yeah, that's fine. I think we're like a little bit over an hour right now. Uh, and again, if you're watching on the live stream. You can participate in the Q&A. And I know we haven't clicked on everybody's <coughs> questions. We're going to try to get to everybody. Wait, I, I see a question from Ed. Ed, feel free to like send me an email and you know we can set some up. We can chat. Because it's very easy from, like, from your keyboard to send a message like, you're not from here. I am from here. I live in Poway. I'm raising my kids here. I'm just a Pawe- as a Powegian as you are, just like I am a U.S. citizen like you are. We're just the same. We both care about it. I'm sure you care about the community, too. I'm sure you do. Um, so, you know, if, if you want to have a conversation that's respectful, please reach out. I'm happy to chat. I'm from here. I just want to make clear. You can <laughs> well, see that. It's not like you moved in three months ago. So you've been here since 2015. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, so, and I, yeah, I, you know, anyway. Let's yes. talk about <laughs> – I want to talk about crime. Cause, sure. Um, I, you know, you go on next door. Oh, my God. You know, right. And then it's right, all right. these Mrs. Kravitz like, looking out they, their window at, at the potential, you know, crime and things. And people are stealing catalytic converters. There's people that are, um, you know, the, I've, I've seen crazy stories on next door. So what do you, what's your approach to crime in Poway? Sure. Um, what's how do you see the problem and what's the solution? Yeah. I mean, there's a, the catalytic converters, uh, all that stuff. I mean, I, I, I see it, too, and, and with the ring cameras, too. I've, I've gotten my, my car. Somebody smashed the window of my Jeep Wrangler. I have a pretty cool Jeep Wrangler. And the only reason they didn't steal it, you know, you know what was the reason? It's freaking manual. <laughs> it's freaking manual. They couldn't it's steal the, it. the millennial theft protection device. Yep. Yes. They're like, oh, yeah, I can't drive this. 
Because they didn't take anything from the car. They're just like, oh, damn it. Yeah. So anyway, I take now more precautions because of that. And I called yeah. the sheriff and they came and, you know. Um, yeah. When I was a government contractor, I worked with the FBI. Um, and I did a lot of their uh, national communication campaigns to help build trust between law enforcement and communities of color. Really? So that they, yes, so that they can feel comfortable calling law enforcement. Because the number one thing, safety starts when people report and they have the trust that they can call law enforcement and that they will do something about it. The second step is to making sure is to make sure that the that, that uh, law enforcement has what what they need in order to fight crime, right? That means the funds they need, the uh, technology they need, the support they need, so they can fight crime. We have this network of cameras across the city, right? And I'm sure when when you when you have a uh, when you're a victim of a crime, you know that's one of the first things they ask. In fact. I was a victim of a crime not that long ago. What happened? Well, we, we place our campaign signs um, on public property legally, and they all disappeared. Okay. In the I, middle of the night. Now, and let, I know we're going to— well, Let's hold that one because yeah. I want to talk about it. Let, but, but, but what I wanted to say is yeah. they asked me, was there a camera there? Ah. Uh. Was there a camera there? Can you point to a camera? And I said, no, I don't, I don't have a camera. But I, I think just going back to law enforcement, you know, one of our— priorities from the very beginning has been to, you know, fully support and fully fund the sheriff's department and even, you know, the sheriff's department and the, and the firefighters, even though I'm not endorsed by them, it doesn't matter. Not, it <laughs> doesn't matter. Well, are you, when, have you talked to the sheriff's department? Are they telling you what they need that maybe they're not getting? No, it's actually in my to-do list still. I've talked to the fire department for sure. Um, and we've had conversations about that. Uh, but no, um, I, I think... Again, crime starts with people feeling comfortable that they can report it and that something will be done about it. And um, I think Poway is still a, a very safe place um, in the county and in the state. And that's something that we should be proud of, even though it's some, you know, we are seeing some uptick in crime here and there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like it's significant. I mean, I'm hearing people, they're having their homes broken into. Um, intruders that. in the house while people are asleep. I mean, there's been and granted next door is is kind of a funny right. vibe. Yeah. But people go on there and they share their frustration. So um, I don't know. And this is really this is not just a Poway issue. I mean, crime is going up all across the state, all across the nation. I know my opinion is it has a lot to do with, I mean, we're not, we won't have to go down this rabbit hole, but it has a lot to do with the George Floyd situation and police abuse and police being a little bit less aggressive in some cases. But, but how much, what percentage of the budget goes to public safety and power? It's a big chunk. I think it together fire and, and uh, share, I think it, is it close to fifty percent? It's, it's, it's about that. I mean, yeah, maybe even high. more. Yeah, it's pretty high. Yeah, yeah. Do they need more? I don't know. I I, I do need to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I hope they return my call because I you know they didn't endorse me. <laughs> so, but um, I hope I hope uh, um, you know. And I know their pack is is famous for sending mailers. So uh, they should be landing. By the way, the attack mailers should be landing this week. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, those should, those should be well, fun. I wonder if they're going to have a Zapatista uh, picture, maybe <laughs> me with uh, Comandante Marcos next to him or something, with the pipe, the guy with the pipe. 
Those like MacArthur? No, one of those rebels. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, yeah, our mailboxes are we're getting yeah, we're, about to. Yeah. we're getting all the the political mailings, sure. yeah, and we're also getting you know the ballots. When are the ballots going to be out? Uh, they 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 get mailed out on the eighth. That's this. I think it's this weekend. That's Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Saturday okay. is yeah, the eighth. Yeah. Um, and and I remember that a huge percentage of the voters here vote by mail. Yeah. Um, and and that was even before Gavin Newsom was mailing ballots to everybody. Right. That was when people just did vote by mail, absentee, right? Yeah. But now it's even higher. Oh, yeah. With COVID and everything else. I mean, it's got to be yeah. at least two thirds, maybe three quarter. I know that on election day, there's only a few hundred people that haven't voted in the district. Only a, only a handful. Yeah. Yeah. Only a handful. So, I mean, really, election day, it's next week. Really, um, and then the weeks that follow, and as the days go by, you know, there's going to be less. There's going to be more votes in, less people, you know, available to talk to. Campaign's pretty pretty close to over, I would say. I mean, we've, you know, we we've done our best with what we have. I have a full time job. You know, I wake up at five in the morning, do you know, go to work, and you know. Uh, have dinner with work all through my eight hours or whatever and 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 then go on the campaign trail and then you know dinner and then more campaign work and so it's been going on like this for months it's just it's basically uh i have one core volunteer and myself and it's just us it's it's just us yeah it's it's very tough and so you know as we come to a close the campaign um it's you know it's already it uh, i'm i'm enjoying let me put it that way seeing the <laughs> results of it um and yo know, and a special thanks to 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 my team uh and and there's a beautiful set of volunteers that 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 come in and and help with the door knocking and and just people who have been in the community for a long long time i don't even know what i did to deserve this support uh from people that it's just been amazing it's such an experience i highly recommend I, let me take that back don't run for office. It's nasty. <laughs> no, no. no I, I, I've talked about this on the podcast. Yeah. And I, when I ran in 2014, I lost by just 1%. Not that I'm bitter. Uh, but, uh, but it was an incredibly rewarding experience. Yeah. Because you, you talk to all these people, people in your community, sure. and people you know, but a lot of people you've never met. And they all have kind of their issues, their pet issues. And, and there's a lot of cases where people have been asking for change or support and just not getting it. And they're frustrated. And, and then we have another election cycle and there's a new set of candidates. Um, and it's also, I think, fun to be out there kind of sharing your views. Oh, my God. It's amazing. So the other yeah. day, a couple of stories. I knock on the door. This this, this lady opens. And I'm like, hi, I'm Hiram. Hiram! <laughs> Bring me a sign. Where do I get a sign? Yeah. Oh, oh, I'll get Good. you a sign. I knock on other doors. I can't see them sometimes because I have the screen, yeah. so I can't see them. Oh, hi, Hiram. I'm like, oh, I don't I haven't even introduced myself. Hi, Hiram. Well, they know who you are. Yeah, like, thanks for stopping by. You know, one guy goes, uh, "Hey, Wendy, Hiram's here. Bring a baby so he can give it a kiss." <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> and uh, and some other guy just recently, um, uh, a neighbor lives close to where I live. Uh, he's like, "Oh my God, Hiram." I just made a comment about you on Nextdoor. Um, I'm like, oh. She's like, literally, right now, like 30 seconds ago. I'm like, oh, I hope it was good. He's like, look, I'm a conservative. 
I'm a Republican, I'm a conservative, and I'm voting for you. Really? Because I've seen how you engage people and how you listen to people and how you handle yourself with people. You got my vote. It freaking made my day. It, was, it has been a long day. And, you know, just having somebody who looks looking beyond the ideology, you know, the whole party thing. And it's like, look, it's the type of people that we want on city council, people that we can trust. This race, I started with this with the issues. But with everything that I've experienced, oh, man, this is about trust and about the type of people we want representing us. Mm -hmm. Hands down. That's actually should be the number one issue. Well, the voters in Poway are smart. The voters in Poway care. And I think there's a lot of voters that are out there that, yeah, they may belong to whatever political party, but they don't always vote that way, um, especially on local issues. In fact, I think, you know, historically Poway has been very Republican, Mm -hmm. but I think Poway overall voted more for Biden than for Trump in 2020, which, right. which I think, you know, regardless of whether you're red or blue, it just shows that I think people are willing to look beyond their Absolutely. tribal group Absolutely. and do what they believe is the right thing to do. And that's that's encouraging. You wouldn't believe how many uh, Republicans have told me I'm voting for you. We don't want that other guy. And they go off on the other guy. We know who he is. We're not. We want you. Republicans. Republicans. So, you know, I welcome that because to me it's it's not so much the whole party thing. It's because people are looking beyond that. And that's what we need in politics, mm-hmm. to look beyond that, focus on the issues and the solutions. This whole party thing, is, it's, 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 destruct, it's destructive. It's not helpful. It keeps good people from running for public office. Mm-hmm. You know, this is hard, man. Like, well, we, and especially kind of job and then, you know, this, it's when, hard. When, when you're on the ballot, you know, there's yeah. no D or R next to your That's name. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, ideally, local politics should not be politicized. But sadly, the reality is that it is. Yeah. Let, let's go back to the, sure. the other topic that we danced on just a moment ago about the, the shenanigans of sign stealing. Because um, I've heard some people talking about it online. I know when I ran, I experienced it as well. So mm-hmm. what, what, have, what have you witnessed or have experienced? Well, um, you know, we, we were very anxious to put out our signs. You know, we raised money. Mm-hmm. Not a lot, but we raised enough to buy signs and other things. And so we, it was a momentous moment for, for us, you know, occasion for us. Go and put our signs legally where they should be. And we put them, and we drove by them, and it looked great. And we drove back again, and we looked at it from different angles, and how's the sun hitting it? And this is great. Oh, my God. And then I got you know people calling me, hey, I saw your sign. Yeah, hey. yeah, right on. Yeah. yeah, awesome, awesome. And then one morning, they're gone. And the signs for other candidates are still there. So right. it was a very targeted operation, right? Uh, Hiram sign, boop, 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 right? Uh, Delta Sparsa also, who's running for mayor. Same, doot, 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 disappeared, right? And um, we had them just outside of the city of Poway because the city of Poway doesn't allow. They passed this ordinance, anti-American ordinance, I would call it, where you cannot put signs in the public space. Um, uh, and so you have to put it now on private properties or outside the city of Poway, right? The old American tradition Come election time to put your sign because I'm running for office neighbor and I want to get my name out there. It's dead in Poway. It doesn't exist here in Poway. And that's because it's another way to rig the system in a way. 
You talk about, uh, you know, the the appointment uh, of Councilmember Frank in 2017. You talk about the signs, you know. What they did with the sign ordinance is basically there's a party going on. They got inside the party, and then they closed the door behind them. When they don't allow people to put signs in public property, it essentially blocks them from raising awareness about their name and about their campaign, giving effectively giving the advantage to the incumbents who already have name recognition, who already have a vast network of people that they can ask to add, you know, to add their signs to their properties. And little old me or somebody else who wants to run, they don't have that network. So they can't, it, it puts them at a disadvantage, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was knocking on doors the other day and I, um, I saw a, a, a house with a, with a Brian Pepin sign and, and I went and I knocked just to introduce myself and out of respect and say, hey, neighbor, you know, I know you have a sign from my opponent. Uh, but I still wanted to stop by and introduce myself and say hello to you. And at least you know who I am. And here's my campaign literature if you care for it. Uh, he's like, oh, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. He's like, oh, I, I actually don't know Brian Pepin. Um, you know, John Mullen's my friend. And he asked me to put a sign. Wow. And I said, oh, okay, well, I respect your decision and thank you. What I'm going with this is that Council members have a vast network of people that they can go to and ask, hey, can you put in a sign? Can you put a sign uh, for me or for my buddy or for my friend? You know, and they will because they have these relationships. People who want to start, like who are, you know, if you're not a renowned name, how do you get your name out? You can't. It's a way to block people. It's anti-democratic, anti-American too. Well, it's anti-First Amendment. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, obviously – you know, private entities can abridge speech. Yeah. You know, when you're you can work in the Union Tribune, you don't you don't have to publish every letter to the editor. They can be selective. Right. Um, but it was I was amazed that a, a government agency was abridging speech. Um, to me, that, you're right. I think it's anti-American. It's it's pro-incumbent. It's uh, um, and it, it, it oh, it's, it's terrible optics. It's ridiculous. You know, it's because it's the people that are in charge are the ones that are enforcing it. So it's almost like the Padres and the Dodgers playing each other in a baseball game, and you find out that the umpires are all getting paid by the Dodgers. Exactly. It's a, <laughs> it's, it's a rigged game, and, and, you know, that's, and people can smell that. And that when you knock on doors and say, get them all out, and this is coming from, from, from people from all kinds of ideological backgrounds, get them all out. Get them out. We don't want, we don't want these type of folks here doing the shenanigans that they've been doing for years. People remember the appointment all the time. They remind me. I don't bring it up. They bring it up. And so, you know, when you have this sign ordinance, I mean, it's just it's just another reflection of of the of this of these shenanigans that happen in mm-hmm. the city of Poway. And people are afraid in Poway. Some people are afraid to voice their opinions and oppose these types of things because they might get retribution. I get that. I get that too. Comments like you know, Poway is ruled by fear. Right. So, again, running for office, you can't, you know, you have to have a lot of courage and you have to have a lot of guts, man, because it's not an easy thing to do. No, I mean, you know, I I tip a hat to everyone that runs for office. And that's part of the reason why I enjoy um, having having um, candidates here in my podcast studio, because I think this whole issue of campaigning 
is so I mean, it is an American thing. You know, it's about community. It's about problem solving. And these candidates are out there, whether you love them or hate them, they all kind of have their own thoughts and opinions on our city that we all love. Um, and I remember when I ran in 2014, it was so hard to be able to do this. It was so hard to let get voters a chance to know you. I think that's what's kind of neat about the podcast. So it kind of yeah. creates sort of like a community forum, right? We're taking Absolutely, questions. Yeah. Actually, let's see if there's a there, – I mean, we got more questions. There's been a lot of duplicate questions. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's see what we got here. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I'm not trying to – I'm trying to figure out where I, I want to go with I think, this. I think it's just – Conversation around yeah. Sometimes they're they're talking the, amongst themselves. Yeah. Um, so you know, here here's one of the questions: says, "Are you even in this district?" I don't know if that's directed to me or not. I, I live in District Three, mm-hmm. um, and you're running in District One. That's right. Yeah, which is different. Um, and uh, districts are important. Oh, they are. Yeah, very important. That's why I was part of a lawsuit defending district elections in Poway. Let's talk about that. What, what, Absolutely. Um, why were you? in that lawsuit demanding districts? Yeah, I wasn't demanding. Um, I was an intervener. Um, There was a lawsuit that uh, the former mayor, Don Higginson, brought forward to challenge district elections. Uh, The city of Poway uh, at the time um, felt compelled to to do it. Otherwise, you know, they were also going to be a target of a lawsuit. So they challenged, uh, Higginson challenged the district elections and um, and it, it went to court. The real aim was the California Voting Rights Act. That was the real aim. They wanted to bring that down with um, through challenging district elections. And so they needed people that would were willing to be part of the lawsuit, so that they would be impacted individuals. And I stepped forward and I said, I want I, I I would be one of those impacted individuals because I believe. And I think most reasonable people believe that your representative should live in the community where you live, not on the other side of town. Mm-hmm. And when your rep- elected official lives where you live, it makes them more accountable. And their decisions impact their life, too. Not from far away. Right here. So they're very important to maintain strong representation in power, and I'm super proud to be have been part of that. Uh, the lawsuit was eventually dismissed. Uh, made it to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. I mean, it went up. It went up. Mm-hmm. They wanted to get it to the Supreme Court, and you know, challenge the Voting Rights Act, the California Voting Rights Act, etc. And now here we are. You know, in district elections, our district has around twelve thousand people or so. Um, it's um, yeah. I mean, there's a process for you know. Creating them, which is another issue, you know, we should be having independent commissions to do those types of things. It wasn't done by them; it was done by the elected officials. But we're here, um, and and now I think people can really benefit in this election fully. I, I think this is a this is the first, yeah, not the first. Twenty eighteen is when it changed, right? But but right mm-hmm. now we have two people running for district office, um, and voters will have a chance to vote for someone who lives in their community. Mm-hmm. Great. You know, when they first talked about the districting, it was to try to give what so-called underrepresented demographics more representation. So I think a lot of it was driven by race and maybe some of the other 
common group identities, right? Sure. Um, but it didn't really work out that way here in Poway. I mean, Poway isn't the most diverse city on, on the planet. Um, but I remember Pete Neal telling me that mm-hmm. he thought that the from a if you talk about the the demographic or racial breakdown or income breakdown, well, not income, the racial breakdown for each of the districts, he thought it was roughly similar. He thought they on that level. He I remember he said he thought they did an okay job, but there are still districts like the 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 Garden Road community. I used to live there. It's cut in half. Um, half half of it is in. District four and half of it is in district two, mm-hmm. but yet they share a lot of the same values. They, you know, cause they're, they have the same open space issues, the same traffic issues, the same bottleneck to get out of garden road by the Seven Eleven on Poway road. Um, it seems like they can do a better job with the, with drawing the lines, but it seem also seems that we have politicians choosing voters rather than the other way around. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's why we need independent commissions to do these types of things. We need to take we need to take that candy away from from politicians. Um, districts should be um, fair, the crafting of them independent, um, without those political uh, considerations. That I mean, I've seen some crazy gerrymandering, and I think the worst one was in was it in Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania? Oh. <laughs> that it made like a like a, almost like a U, like crazy. Shapes oh, there's and a like, lot of cases like that for yeah, Congress. Yeah, no, no, it's it's that's for Congress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think again, just going back to this election, district elections, they're good for Powegians. Let me let's see if we can take a couple more questions here on on the live stream, and and we're probably pretty close to wrapping it up. But I want to give people an opportunity to to be a part of the podcast. And um, let's see here. Uh, this is from Pete Neal. Hey, thanks, John. Neighborhoods should not be split. Okay. And uh, and here we got, uh, yeah, well, I guess, one of your supporters here. Yay. Uh, that's right. Hiram Soto for Poway City Council. Um, so all good. Again, you know, Ed Franklin, love Ed. Ed's a good guy. I've been on his, he has a podcast, by the way. Oh, he does? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's like, I told you, he's a former, uh, Ed, forgive me. Are you, were you the former CEO or was it the president um, of the... Poway Chamber. But yeah, he's got a, his own podcast um, and it's really good. And I've been a guest on his podcast. He's been a guest on mine. That's amazing. So it's, he's a cool guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, he, he's, he's had some comments here on the live stream. Um, I think he's talking with other folks in the I live think stream it's, too. I think yeah. it's what it is. I think it's people talking amongst themselves. Yeah. Um, here's another quite, um, item here on the signs. Then, then why is Voss sign sitting behind Taco Taco on community? Um, there's a lot of cases like this uh, where yeah. there's inconsistency. Yeah. And then, there, I mean, to give every candidate the benefit of the doubt, you hand out your signs, you don't know who's going to put them where, right? Sure. And they don't all know the rules. Um, but then sometimes I wonder if people are trying to get other candidates in trouble. You know, it could be. It I could mean, be. That's maybe a conspiracy I mean, there's, theory. There's, there's a history here with these signs, right? I mean, I think it was uh, Councilmember Leonard's daughter was uh, arrested by police and charged with stealing the signs of his of uh, Barry Leonard's appointment. That was in twenty. Yeah, that, that was. was that was pretty crazy. Yeah, um, so I mean, there, there is a history. Mm-hmm. You know, when it happened to me, I think uh, Councilmember Grosch says something along the lines of like, "Oh, my signs get stolen too." About twenty five percent of my signs, you know. Kind of like deal with it type of comment. And I'm like, well, our rate is 100% now. <laughs> well, I remember, uh, God, it was back in the 
2018 cycle, I think. Sure. And one of the Voss signs was like literally vandalized by some teenage, teenagers. And it wasn't politically driven at all. It was just some teenagers just being hoodlums. Yeah, yeah and, that happens too. And I remember he got really angry and pursued it, and that was kind of an issue as well. So, okay, we, we've covered Yay. so many things. I mean, um, I think we've got most of the, the gist of all the, uh, uh, the things here on the live stream. Lots of comments here. Um, oh, and thanks, Ed. President and CEO. Of that's, that was his role at the chamber. Um, Maria here, been here since 1996. Ed, exactly my point. Again, a lot of conversation. Yeah. So let, let's just wrap this up. Sure. Um, what, what, have we, what have we left out? I mean, what other hot issues do you think we're facing in the city of Poway that we haven't addressed in this episode? I think we've covered the the main points that people bring up when I knock on their doors. Um, and if I make may make a final pitch. Yeah, by all means. I? Yeah. I with lots of humbleness I, I ask for your support for the city council uh seat. Um I've mentioned that I'm not I'm not a career politician I, I, I this is not something that you know i i don't have ambitions beyond poway i want to make sure that we do a little reset on the city council that we have new ideas new people um i want to make sure that our citizens trust um their elected officials i want to make sure that the city acts on 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 really on behalf of voters i want to make sure that the shenanigans get called out from the inside, um, and it's a and I want people to know that this is a big sacrifice, and I, and I thank all of those who have served, all of them, on the city council, including the mayor, because it's it's not an easy job. I'm sure you don't you're not gonna you know make a lot of the salary is really you know right it's very low mm-hmm. it's very demanding it takes a lot it's kind of a thankless job, but um. But you get a lot of fulfillment by connecting with people and listening and trying to find the best ideas possible. And that's what I want to do. And I want to do it in a way that's collaborative, uh, respectful. I want to do it in a way that's inclusive. And I want to, again, I want to make sure that our, that residents can trust our local government again. They don't. They don't. Mm. They don't. Ask, ask them. Go and knock on doors. When you really engage them, they'll tell you they're fed up. Fed up. This probably wasn't the case a few years ago, maybe two or three years ago even. But right now, it's changed. And I think people need someone new there. And if I'm so fortunate to be there, I'll do the best I can. I'm not a know-it-all. I admit my mistakes. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, I don't like to... Stick it to the other. It's not something that I draw pleasure from. And then what you see is what you get with me. I'm an open book, uh, but I live by my values of openness, transparency, honesty, as much as I can. I want to be a good example for my daughters. Hmm. Yeah. That's it. That's all good. All right. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. Yes. I think this has been a fun conversation. And hopefully the audience, maybe you've learned a little bit more about Hiram. Um I just want to just put this out there for the audience. You know, I've got 
more of these kinds of episodes. Other candidates, we're going to be interviewing Kevin Juza, oh, Yuri Bolin, Delta Esparza you he's spoke about, too. Tony yeah. Russo's coming on the podcast. So the, I'll just say this again. This podcast is open to every political candidate. Wait, what about Brian Pippen? He, I, I talked to him and I invited him on the podcast a, a number of months ago. And he says, like, you know, he'll consider it. And oh, so okay. he's welcome to join us. Oh. He'll sit in that chair and, and he can we'll have the same conversation. Um, so uh, every candidate that's running for office is welcome. You can just email me at John at John Riley Project dot com um, on my Facebook page. John Riley Project. You'll see the schedule. And we try to do them at night at seven o'clock. And normally my podcast is every seven, uh, every Tuesday at seven. But. God, with campaign season, we're doing them like a lot. Uh, so, um, you know, we welcome your thoughts and comments. We welcome other candidates. And, and for all of you, been, there's been a consistent group that's been watching on the live stream. So thank you to everybody that's been listening and watching. So this recording will exist on YouTube. It will exist on my Facebook page and my YouTube page for John Riley Project. And it'll also be available on all the audio podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Yay. Stitcher, you know, all of them. Uh, so hopefully if they people weren't watching live, they'll be able to listen or watch later. Awesome. Okay. I am very grateful for the time you you spent here with me and the time you're spending with uh, the other candidates. I think this this podcast uh, does a great service to the community. And just just the, 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 the opportunity to talk to people directly. And then for this to be recorded, I know it's a lot of time for you, too. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so and I really enjoy your other interviews, and I really enjoyed this interview. So thank you so much. All right. Well, best of luck to you. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thanks, friends. We'll see you later. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor. Subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog, or get more information, please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.